This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. Noah was a typical Israeli who had finished the army and wanted to see what life was like in the real world. And so, like many other Israelis, she got on a plane and headed for India. And in her time in India, she wanted to experience everything. Food, drugs, gurus, yogis, everything there was to experience. But she still hadn't found what she was looking for. And after many weeks in India, she heard that there was a secret, special group who was seeking the truth. They were different than everyone else, and they lived deep in the forests of India. It took her several more weeks to find them, but when she did, she knew that she had found what she was looking for. The head of the group was a guru who was very calm and humble, but she could see within him there was a fire burning, and that was the fire that she felt as well. But this was a very secretive group, and when Noah showed up, they weren't interested in having her around. They tried to get her to go away, but the more they pushed her away, the more she wanted to come close. And after hanging out and just watching them from a distance and insisting all the time that she be allowed to join, finally she made up her mind. This is what she wants in life. She wants to be part of this group. Here's where the truth is. So they told her, if we allow you into the group, you're going to have to be initiated. And it won't be simple. You're going to have to live a life of purification and meditation. You're going to have to give up all of your material possessions. And you're going to have to submit yourself completely to the Guru. And she agreed. And for months, she fasted and meditated and listened to the words of the Guru who enlightened her. She felt that new worlds were opening up to her all the time. And she was going higher and higher on her spiritual journey. Until one day, one of the teachers in the group recommended that she be made a priestess, raised to the highest level, just below the Guru. And Noah was very excited because she had put so much work into this. And she felt like this was her life's purpose. During the whole time that she was in India, every week she found a few minutes to call her parents back in Israel. And normally the conversations were short, but this time she couldn't contain her joy. She was so excited. She told her parents, You know, I've been part of the secret group in the forest, and I've been working on myself for months and months, fasting and meditating, learning from the guru, and they've decided to make me a priestess. I'm going to be one of the leaders of the group. Now Noah's parents weren't religious. But they thought, you go to India and you convert to another religion? You're a Jew. What? What is this? But to Noah, it didn't matter. Her parents could protest as much as they wanted. She was living a life of meaning. She was living a life of purpose. What did her parents have to offer her? The mall? A job? TV? Parties? Going to the beach? That wasn't the truth. That wasn't real life. And that wasn't what she wanted. But before the ceremony to make Noah a priestess, her grandmother passed away. This was a grandmother that she was very close with, and it shocked her to hear the news of her grandmother passing away. Her parents offered to buy her a ticket back, and Noah insisted that it be a round-trip ticket and to not be there for more than two weeks. And so, she took the first plane out to Israel, and she figured this would be her opportunity to say goodbye to her old life. Goodbye to her parents that she wouldn't seem possibly ever again. Goodbye to old friends, and goodbye forever to Israel. 
but Noah's parents had other plans. The day after the funeral, they started bringing a stream of rabbis, psychologists, cult deprogrammers, professors, anyone that they could find that would somehow change Noah's mind and get her out of this cult. But they underestimated Noah's determination. And no matter who they brought by and whatever they said, nothing affected her. And on the second Shabbat, which was the day before she was heading back to India, her father asked her to come with him to the local Chabad house. And when they got there, it was Shabbos afternoon, and the rabbi was giving a talk on the mitzvah, the commandment of returning lost objects, Hashivat Aveda. And he was giving over several ideas from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And one of the things he said is that even though this commandment makes sense to us, we do the commandment not because it makes sense, but because Hashem commanded us to do it. And Noah, with all of her months of work and enlightenment, she thought this was the stupidest thing she ever heard, and she told the rabbi. She said, what do you mean? What's wrong with doing something good because it makes sense? Do you think people are so bad that they can't figure out for themselves what's good and what's not, and know how to return things when they see that something is lost? And besides, who says that God gives commandments? Maybe your God gives commandments, but my God is nature. My God is the wind. My God is the energy of the universe. And when you're in harmony with nature, the energy of the universe, you can only do good. After the class, she and the rabbi spoke for a bit. And the rabbi said to her, Nature, without God, can bring a person to behave like an animal. The only difference between human beings and animals is that human beings have the capacity to change. Let's say somebody says, It's my nature to eat treif, to not eat kosher food. Or, I can't possibly keep Shabbos. I need to drive, I need to spend money, I need to use my phone. That's the level of an animal. And if a person really believes that they can't change, then even though they're in a human body and they have a human mind, they're behaving like an animal. What makes us human beings is our ability to say, even though it's not my nature to keep Shabbos, I want to keep Shabbos. And then you change yourself in order to keep Shabbos. And so the same thing here. Let's say somebody finds a lost object. You would think that it's the right thing to do to return it. Do you only return it if you're connected to God? And since we as Jews receive commandments, mitzvot from God, and God tells us exactly what we need to do, we don't do it because it makes sense. We do it because God told us to do it. Well, Noah was not very impressed with the examples and the explanations from the rabbi. And the next day, she happily boarded the plane and got back to her guru in the forests of India, which she had been missing since the moment she left. And she had said goodbye to everyone and everything. She wasn't coming back. And now... They had postponed the ceremony in order to wait for Noah to come back. And she was going to finally be initiated into the cult, become a priestess, just under the guru. The first night that she was back, she began purifying herself through fasting and prayer. And then with five other prospective priests, started slowly going up a mountain, walking behind their holy guru and several of his assistants, leaving the mundane world far below them. They walked for many hours, and about an hour before they reached the summit, the top of the mountain, the guru stopped for a second and gently bent down and picked up something off the ground. It was a wallet. He gracefully opened up his pack and put it inside, closed it, and continued walking. Now Noah was watching this from behind the guru, and she quickly caught up with him, and she gently said to him, Holy Guru, maybe you should see if there's some identification in the wallet. And the Guru looked at her with his calm, deep, all-knowing eyes. 
And he said, the power of the universe and nature has caused it so that this wallet should come to me. We cannot understand the ways of the power of the universe. And if it was meant to come to me, then it is rightfully mine. And they continued walking. Noah started thinking to herself, that lesson that the Chabad rabbi gave in Israel. He said to her, human beings without God, without the Torah, can behave like an animal. And she was thinking, the guru really should have seen who the wallet belonged to and given it back because that's the right thing to do. And anyone who's connected to nature would naturally do the right thing. Finally, they reached the top of the mountain and there was a large bonfire burning. And there were assistants of the guru waiting there, wearing white robes. And they gave everyone a white robe to wear as the sun set. And everybody was standing there in silence and finally the guru spoke. Are all of you willing to take the most important step of your lives? And he looked at everybody with such sweet, kind, compassionate eyes. And they all said yes in unison together. Yes! Except for Noah. And the guru turned to Noah. He said, and what about? She yelled, no, no, I don't accept it. And everyone was a little shocked. And the guru calmly said, that's fine. We don't have any problem with you not accepting it. But we cannot accept one amongst our own who is not certain of herself. So one of my assistants will take you down to the city. And when you're sure, you're welcome to come back up here. And Noah went down the mountain with one of the guru's assistants. And early the next morning, she took the first plane out. She didn't care where it went. She just wanted to get out of India. And it happened to go to Australia. And the whole time she's thinking, the rabbi was right. Without God, man's rules can turn you into an animal. And returning a lost object is not just because it makes sense, but because God commanded us to do it. When she arrived in Australia, she didn't know where to go. So she went to the local Chabad house and started studying with one of the rabbis there. And eventually, she found the fire, the spiritual fire, the truth that she was looking for. She couldn't find it in Israel, and she couldn't find it in India. She had to find it in a Chabad house in Australia. And little by little, she began learning about Judaism, living a life of Torah and mitzvot. And after many years, when she became a fully observant Jew, she thought back to the guru and said one thing that he was right about, is that the ways of the power of the universe are indeed impossible to understand. I've got one more short story for you. This is another story that I heard from my teacher, the late Rabbi Shalom Brat. You probably know the Reb Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev. He married the daughter of a misnagid, of an opposer to the Hasidim. And the father didn't understand that his daughter was marrying a Hasid. And when he realized that she married Reb Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, and that he was a Hasid, he demanded that she divorce him. But of course, she was a holy woman. You're going to be the wife of a great tzaddik like Reb Levi Yitzchak You have to be on a higher level than even the tzaddik himself. And so not long after they were married, it was Simchat Torah. And Reb Levi was called up to lead Atar Adat, the sections that you read before taking out the Sefer Torah on Simchat Torah. And he's given a talis. And he goes up to the front of the shul. And he's about to start. And he takes off the talis. And he looks at it. And he says... If you knew how to daven, you'd do it by yourself. Everybody's looking at him like he's a little crazy. He puts the talus back on. He's about to start again. And he says, You're a Talmud Chacham? And you know how to daven? So do it yourself. He takes off the talus and throws it on the bima. 
So his father-in-law comes over and he says, what's going on here? This doesn't make any sense. So Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, he says, you know, I got up to lead the davening here. And who's standing next to me? My Yetzirah, my evil inclination. And I look at him and I say, I'm not leading the davening with you. And my Yetzirah says to me, well, who are you to lead the davening? He says, me? I learned how to daven from great tzaddikim. I've been trained by great rabbis in how to daven. And the Yetzirah says, no, so was I. I was there with you when all those great rabbis and tzaddikim were teaching you. I was standing there right next to you. I know how to daven just as well as you. So he said, I took off my talus and I said, fine, you know how to daven, so you do it by yourself. Then I realized, everybody's waiting for me to start the davening. So I put the talus back on again. And who do I see next to me? I see the Yetzirah. I said, what are you doing here? He says, what do you mean? With what right do you have to lead the davening? And Rebbe Levi Yitzchak, he says, I'm a Talmid Chacham. I'm a Torah scholar. And the Yetzirah says, and where did you learn all your Torah? And he said, I learned it in Yeshiva with great rabbis and tzaddikim. And the Yetzirah said, yeah, I was there with you. I also learned in yeshiva with you. I also am a great scholar, just like you. So I said, fine. If you know the daven and you're such a great scholar, then you lead the davening by yourself. And he took off the talus and threw it on the bima. So you see, my sweetest friends, sometimes we want to do a mitzvah. And the Yetzirah comes and says, huh, who are you to do a mitzvah? You want to daven. And the Yetzirah says, ah, who are you to lead the davening? So what do you do? You say to Hashem, listen, I want to do a mitzvah. Can you please tell this guy to leave me alone for a little while? I want to daven, Hashem. Can you please ask the Yetzirah to leave me alone for a few seconds so I can daven? But one thing that you don't do is give up, my friends. Even when the Yetzirah is coming after you, trying to take away all the joy of the mitzvah, you just never give up. I want to thank one of the new supporters of this podcast, the Titlebound family of Jerusalem. Thank you so much for your support and your contribution. And thank you, everyone, for listening and all the contributors of this podcast. If you were listening and you wanted to give something to help this podcast out, you can go to my website, HasidicStory.com. You'll see a link there to become a supporter. Make sure to share this with your friends. Send me a message on Facebook or leave me a review or a message on YouTube. I'm always happy to hear from all of you, and thank you so much for your love and support and your help. We should all go from strength to strength and all things good together. Bezrat Hashem.